1: Cal Ripken Jr. and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter.
0: And the ML Sports Platter, back with you all over the major platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, you name it. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by our good friends at Ken's Auto Detailing, Bryant & Stratton College, and Prestwick Golf. If you're in and around the central New York area, make sure you get your golf clubs re-gripped with my buddy Ed and his team. Unbelievable place to go. They also, by the way, have used clubs and new clubs from the best brands in golf, like Titleist, Ping, TaylorMade, Callaway, you name it. He can get them if he doesn't have them. And, of course, every single year, as I've mentioned a million times here on the program, I get my uh, clubs regripped every year from Ed. I have for about 10, 15 years, and he does an A-plus job. Presswick Golf, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor, and a tip of the cap thank you as well, the Welch & Company Jewelers and the Swan & Whitaker families for their support of the platform. As well, I can't wait to talk to my next guest. His name is Rocco Constantino. He is the author of a brand new book called Beyond Baseball's Color Barrier, the story of African Americans in Major League Baseball, past, present, and future. And you probably know Rocco's name from, uh, at least on Twitter and and on this show before, uh, circulating because he is a part of that awesome platform called Ball9. And you can go get Rocco's work as well there at ball9.com. RoccoConstantino.com as well for more information and at official MLB on Twitter Rocco welcome aboard congratulations on another work bud how are you thanks Mike really uh, really happy to be talking talking to you again book is doing good and uh thanks for having me on your show looking forward to it no no doubt um behind Jackie Robinson who do you think is the most impactful black, black baseball player in history uh
1: That's a great one. I'm going to go with Larry Doby on that one. Uh, You know, integrated the American League just just a few months after Jackie Robinson. Um, And, you know, you have to kind of remember in the context in, in today's game, you know, the leagues are all mixed together. There's interleague play and all that kind of stuff. Back 1947, you know, the National and American League were almost separate entities that just, you know, came together and played a World Series. So Larry Doby, you know, he was much younger than Jackie Robinson didn't have the benefit of, of playing in the minor leagues and going through all that that Jackie did, um, and he brought uh, African American baseball to the American League, and the Indians were were better off for it. You know, they they did a good job integrating, and
0: Dobie is uh, as important as classy as uh, Jackie is. So, you know, you think about the course of time, like you know the the what ifs, and w- what if it wasn't Jackie Robinson, right? Like, what if it was Monty Irvin, for example, who, who as you well know, it was very close to him being the first black player in the major leagues he He had come from the war uh, he had that ear injury and just wasn 't hand picked and it just didn 't work out and Irvin admitted during his life late in his life that it probably worked out for the best that he wasn 't the guy because he he wasn 't healthy enough uh, to to, to kind of make that breakthrough and, and obviously the physical part and then the huge mental part and the hurdles you have to you know the, the, these guys had to face. Do do you think about that? Number one and number two, how do you think the course of history changes, you know, with black baseball if if it's not Jackie Robinson first?
1: Uh yeah, that, that's a good point and and a great point about Monty Irvin too. He had you know some some difficulty uh, with with his health and he was um, you know in the military and, and things like that. But um, yeah, if it wasn't Jackie Robinson, I mean, who who knows how long it would have lasted. Uh, you know, integration would have uh, been been probably pushed back. Uh, you know, it took a lot of things to fall into place. Uh, the passing of saw Mount Landis, uh, you know, Branch Rickey moving from St. Louis to to Bro- uh, Brooklyn. Uh, you know, Brooklyn was a lot more open towards towards progressive views at the time, and St. Louis was you know considered the southernmost city in in the uh, major leagues, and they they went through those. Uh, you know that that southern segregation, so it, it would be tough. I mean, it, who knows if it would have happened in 1947? I, mean, I know Bill Beck was making a big push to integrate at the time as well, and you know was almost kind of in a race with the Dodgers to uh, to do that. So I, I'd like to think that you know that Larry Doby might have been the first, or, or somebody else, right very, very soon afterwards in that 1947 season. If it wasn't uh, wasn't Jackie Robinson.
0: So the foreword of this book is by Louis Tian. And I know that you guys have had a lot of interaction with him through Ball 9. What does Louis Tian, in your opinion, what does he mean to the game as far as his impact? And then kind of carry on with that a little bit, Rock, with Louis and Ball 9 and your relationship and and just the impact that he has to all of you guys personally. You you and and Kevin Kernan and Chris and everybody, I I know Louis has just been such a huge resource. Oh,
1: Louis and and his son Danny have been awesome with Ball Nine, and I, I couldn't be more honored to have him write the forward to the book. That's probably one of the best, comp, you know, most uh, frequent compliments I've been getting with my book is, "Man, how'd you get Louis Tion to write the forward?" Um, and in the forward, he tells a great story about how you know his father, Louis's father, pitched in the Negro leagues, um, and you know Louis from Cuba, and it it touches. And I touch on this in the book as well, you know, and. When the color line was drawn, it was started out kind of as a, a you know, creating a whites only major league baseball, and then it was different little people started making progress. And you know, among them was the Cubans, and it was basically you know, if you were if your skin was light enough, if your hair was straight enough, and you were Cuban, it was okay to play. If you had a darker complexion, not so much. Um, so Louis' father, you know, in the forward was. Louis talked about not being able to uh Louis Senior talked about not being able to be in the majors and to, had to be barnstorming and he didn't want that for his son. So he encouraged Louis to um to pursue something else. Lawyer, doctor. Uh luckily for the baseball world times change and, and Louis Dion ended up having the legendary career that he did. Um, you know, such a beloved person, especially in Boston for what he did in the postseason. Um and then, you know, and for us at Ball Nine, I mean, he's been fantastic. He, he you know, was one of the first people. Um, we interviewed Chris Vitale, did a nice video interview with him. It got, um, you know, a ton of views, ton of recognition when Ball Nine was just starting out. So, you know, giving us that recognition, like, nobody knew who Ball Nine was, but hey, there, there's, there's the editor-in-chief interviewing Louis T. on, on, on a video, so... It gave us recognition. He's an awesome guy. He cares tremendously about the, the game and the tradition of the sport. Uh, never afraid to speak his mind and, and just one of those characters that even if you weren't a fan of the teams he played on, you loved them because you grew up, you know, impersonating his wind-up dorm, wiffle ball and, and doing all those kind of things. So, yeah, it's been been phenomenal to, to have a relationship working with Louie and Danny uh, Tion.
0: One thing I, I've always said, you know, if, if you can go back in time as a as a sports fan, you know, what, what would you go back and see? You know, would you go back and see the Miracle on Ice? Would you something you didn't live through? You know, would you go and see Babe Ruth? Would you go see Johnny Unitas throw football? You know, um, and, and I've often said I probably would would go into the 1950s time machine in New York City just so I could be around, you know, Willie, Mickey, and the Duke and the Dodgers, Giants, and Yanks and Abbotsfield Polo Grounds and Yankee Stadium. But I got to tell you, not far behind that is the Negro Leagues. And, mm-hmm. you know, to see the Homestead Grays and to see the Kansas City Monarchs and the Stars and Josh Gibson and company, what team would you trap yourself in a time machine to go watch play from the Negro Leagues?
1: Uh, you know, I'd really love to see the um, the New York Black Yankees play at
0: yeah.
1: Hinchcliffe Stadium in Patterson because. Uh, Part of the reason, you know, I actually played at that stadium in high, in high school baseball. Uh, it was the home field for the, the New York Black Yankees, you know, in the, in the Negro Leagues. And, you know, years later, Patterson School District took over that field and Patterson Kennedy played their sports there. So uh, that was my, one of my introductions to the Negro Leagues. I was in high school. We were playing against Patterson Kennedy at that stadium. And my dad you know, said, hey, did you know the Negro Leagues play there? That's a famous place, blah, blah, blah. And that was kind of my introduction. So, you know, on that team, yes, you know, Satchel Paige had pitched for him at times. Uh, Mule Suttles played for them. Uh, you know, seeing some of those guys play at a stadium, you know, that that I know about would be would be unbelievable to see.
0: So, I'm I'm pretty deep in here uh, to the book, and I I had to kind of just glance twice, and my eyes bugged out a little bit. I see there's a Syracuse Chiefs mention uh, in here, which is about you know fifteen. Uh, I'm about 15 miles north of of where the Syracuse Chiefs, you know, used to play. Now, obviously, I know they've been renamed, but there's some unbelievable history there with Syracuse and Jackie Robinson and in a pitch that uh, got hit on the hand, but wasn't rewarded first base. Right? Can you get into that story, Rocco? Oh.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, you know, there was a lot of uh, controversy about how how Jackie Robinson was going to be treated in the minor leagues. And uh, he had a rough time in spring training. Uh, you know, spring training was down in Florida. It was in the South, and uh, you know, it's it's segregation. He talks about having to drive down and uh, drive through from California through through the deep South and and the things he and his wife faced. Uh, anyway, he you know they were looking forward to go back up, go up north and play with Montreal in the uh, in AAA. So. You know, playing against Syracuse, they had that that incident. Um, You know, fans were fans were on him in the opposing ballparks. So, you know, it's it's one of those those things you 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 deal with. um, You know that that he just happened to you know face in these games and and another situation where you know Jackie was the right guy because he handled handles that kind of stuff with class.
0: What do you hope people say about the book when, when they get done with it? Uh,
1: that, that, it's a great appreciation. I mean, that, that's kind of what, what I wanted to create with this. It was, you know, it's a timeline that starts from in 1879, goes all the way through today and, and looks forward to the future, but it's really an homage to the great African-American players from, like I said, the 1800s with Moses Fleetwood Walker. I mean, he was a very, very good player. Um, in the different leagues before he had a shot at the major leagues. People should know who he is. Um, and then, you know, all the great African-Americans who integrated the teams. Um, and then the great great careers, too. You know, the Hall of Famers, of course, like Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and Bob Gibson, Joe Morgan, um, Ken Griffey Jr., but, but then also all the other great players, too, who may have only had a great stretch or a great season, guys like Vita Blue and Doc Gooden, Darryl Strawberry, Um, You know, not Hall of Fame guys, but you can never deny the impact on the game that they had. So I just hope that people have an appreciation for everything the African-American baseball players have done in, in the major leagues
0: few more for Rocco Constantino. The book is out. It's called Beyond Baseball's Color Barrier, the story of African-Americans in Major League Baseball, past, present, and future. The forward is by Louis Tiant. And, of course, it's all over major bookstores and Amazon.com, online platforms where books are sold. And uh, Rocco Constantino for more. And you can catch Rocco's great contributing baseball work in uh, the Ball 9 section there at Ball9.com. Uh, you know, the sport right now is lacking... And has lacked for a long time. Black players. Um, is there any hope in the near future for that to improve? Um, what's the reason behind it? Why are we in this spot?
1: I, I definitely think there's hope, and I think that's something that you really couldn't say you know five to seven years ago. Um, you know, African American participation was at its peak in the seventies and eighties. Uh, you know, it was around eighteen percent of the league. Was African American players, um, but at the same, then at that same time, you know, the NBA was starting to become more popular. You had, you know, Bird, Bird, Bird versus Magic and Jordan and all these guys, and kids of like our generation started changing a little bit. They wanted to be like Mike. They wanted to be like Magic, and then and then Shaq and Kobe. So that cool aspect where kids in the fifties and sixties all wanted to grow up to be Willie Mays. Um, that started to shift, I think, to different sports. And at the same time, there are other factors too. You know, um, Hispanic um, participation in baseball almost tripled over that time. So mathematically, there's going to be less people, Um, you know, different roster constructions with with more pitchers on the team, on rosters these days, that's less spots being taken up. Uh, You know, African-Americans are a very low percentage of pitchers. So that just has that effect. And uh, then you also have the cost of baseball, too, in, on the youth levels, in the, in the inner cities, it's so much easier for kids to go out and play basketball and get better, um, or even football with friends, than, than to pay for travel baseball all year round. But things are starting to change. Um, there was a, about a 15-year period where the participation dropped consistently, one or, two, one or one and a half percent a year. That stopped about five or six years ago, and the trends have actually reversed. So the league is up to about eight percent African American, and that's from a low point of like six and a half. So things things are changing; they've leveled off. There hasn't been a drop. Um, I think more attention's being paid to that, and uh, there have been a number of great African American draft picks uh, in the top ten in the past, you know, three or four years. So I think the tide can turn. I need, think we need like a Tiger Woods situation it would be great. A, some, you know, big-time hero to come in and be the face of baseball make kids want to uh, to be that guy again.
0: You know, with regards to the game today, we, we are both, you guys have done such a great job at Ball 9 with it. Um, I'm right in that camp, too. I've been in that camp with yeah. the analytics, just the, 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 the suffocating of it. And, and the way Rob Manford has run the sport and the gimmicks and the garbage and the seven inning double headers and the guy on second and all this all this BS launch angle. Um, how do you think the speed guys? Because clearly the power guys, right? Like the Josh Gibsons could play in any era. I mean, my gosh, if he was allowed to play, you know, right off of the right right out right out of the shoot in, in the big leagues, he would he would have dominated. He would have been a great player. But the speed guys specifically. Today, I don't know if they'd be able to act like a Tim Raines or a Lou Brock or a Ricky Henderson, right? And like, I don't know, you know, Cool Papa Bell, the old funny saying, I think, right, was that he could uh, he could get out of bed and, and uh, turn off the light and he'd get back into bed before the light turned off. Um, uh, how do you think the, the, some of these Negro League players the speed guys, right, the hitting-for-average guys, the guys who played the the game in the gaps and between the holes and, and beat people with their legs and, and, and smarts, how do you think they'd be able to handle this game today?
1: They're 100% right on that, and it's, it's uh, dead-on accurate. That that player has been removed from the game, whereas when we were growing up watching baseball, that
0: player was... They were everywhere. Vince Coleman. The neck. Yeah. Vince Coleman, everybody what? had a yep. guy like that, Yep, and it was a, it was a weapon.
1: Um, now, like we've been saying that, that guy's phased out. There's no room on rosters because you're only carrying, you know, a handful of bench guys because you have all these relief pitchers you have to use. So, you know, take the speed out. You look at the, you know, 70, 60s, 70s, and 80s, the leaders on stolen bases were all, you know, mostly all African American guys. Um, and when you take that out, you're removing them from the game. Um, and that, that's you know that's definitely hurting too. And another point of this whole thing is is there aren't African American managers or front office people or, or things like that. You know they're all replaced by these Ivy League guys, and um, you know there's no place in the game for for people with experience, people like Kenny Williams, you know, whose baseball experience translated over to front office. So it's a big factor the way the game is played today, without question. Is, is um, you know, definitely harmful towards African-American players.
0: Did this book feel a little bit easier? I never, I never would say writing a book, oh, it's easy. i never, ever, in a, I mean, cause I've always felt that, you know, being a play-by-play guy for, for, uh, and it really in any sport, but mostly hockey because of the speed of it. Uh, but play-by-play and, and being an author of, of a successful book are probably the two hardest things I think in, in sports media, uh, today. Um, but you're a veteran now here as an author. I mean, is this, you know, you had the 50 Moments that Define Major League Baseball book, and, and now this one. Did this one, did you use some nuances and some tricks of the trade from the other one to kind of allow you to to have a little bit of a smoother, if that's a better word, experience as, as you wrote this? Yeah, definitely, uh, without question. My
1: first book that you mentioned, 50 Moments that Define Major League Baseball, you know, I kind of wrote that without any guidance or without any thought. I just had the idea to write it. I wrote it, and then it was, all, okay, now what do I do? Then I went and found an agent who found a publisher and did all that stuff. This one was kind of the opposite. You know, we had, I had the idea for the book. I worked on a timeline and, the, um, you know, an outline with my publisher. We were able to do a lot of pre-planning and outlining and brainstorming before, you know, I had much more, I guess, in my own head uh, direction. As to where I wanted to go with this, and then as I was going along the way, you, you know, you call Audibles here and there, you yeah. come across something interesting, and you want to add that in. You have to maybe something's not as interesting as you thought, so you take it out. Um, definitely two different styles of, of writing, and I think, you know, it's, it's a good way to put it. it. Was it was easier to write this book because I had the general direction in my head, whereas the first one it was kind of like, you know, what am I
0: doing here? I think I'm doing it right, but you're not quite sure. As you're compiling testimonials and research and all that, at what point do you decide or does someone decide, uh, you know, your publisher, uh, Roman and Littlefield, I mean, the cover of the book, you know, front and back and and the look and the pictures you use and all that, who decides, when do you decide, how does it all come together?
1: Uh, dude, that's another great question too. They, our publisher, you know, it's all different depends on your writing situation and your publishing, publishing situation. But in mine, um, you know, I gather what was on me to gather, write pictures for my book. So I had to seek out photographers, mm. historical photographers and things like that. And you know, I send them all into my publisher and they, they have an art department. So they, they go through the photos, they, uh, and they pick out and design the cover, um, Testimonials, same thing. I reach out on my own to people, to a lot of former players, and and ask them if they could endorse the book. We'll send you a copy, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff falls on the author. Um, you know, unless you're one of the big time writers and stuff like that, you know, then maybe they, they get a little stuff for you. But I'm, I'm not quite there yet.
0: But uh, it's interesting to see it all come together. That's for sure. Boy, currently, you know, it just hit on the the game today, and you know been trying to kind of beat this door down it, it's just do you feel like it's getting worse I guess that's the question I, I feel like it's getting worse night to night
1: I do it, it, it's it's sad to say and, and you know we, we complain about baseball and you talked about ball nine on our site and a lot of articles kind of do that it's it's you know and I interview a lot of former players who aren't watching the game anymore but it's always the same refrain from us from them you know, we love the sport, and I'm sure it goes for you, too. You know, you grow up watching it, sure. it's a family thing, a generational thing. So as much as you complain about it, still turning it on every night, and even if it's making you mad. Um, but it's, it is. It's It's tough to watch. I mean, it definitely, you know, the game always changes. It's always evolving. It's not the same game our parents watched or grandparents. We get that. But, you know, it's it's just the, the rapid rate of change. The things that Manfred is trying to force onto the game instead of it naturally evolving, I think that's a big factor.
0: Um, but you know what? Yeah, it's just it, messy to, to watch. It, it is. And to add to what you just said, though, you, you hear that a lot. Like, oh, it's not. You know, my my father, or my grandfather. I don't. You don't even have to go that that far back. I mean, I, I know that the steroid era was terrible for baseball in terms of. <laughs> you know, shattering the records and, and you look back now at it and, you know, you don't know who did what when, against who were pitchers, mm-hmm. pitchers using. Uh, guys guys who you, I think, can't tell the story of baseball uh, without, you know, guys like Bonds and Clemens, they're probably mm-hmm. never going to get into the Hall of Fame because of the steroid situation, which I think is absurd. I mean, I think baseball at some point has got to just recognize the error. The Hall of Fame's got to accept it, yeah. put him in. Even if they're in the Great Hall and put something on the plaque that explains why the hell they're in there and and why and how they're in there, that okay. But but guess what happened during the steroid era? Phenomenal baseball. I mean, really, like even as all that was going on, we had the summer of '98 with McGuire and Sosa. But it was more than just that. We had the Yankee and even Yankee haters. Like you had to appreciate looking back now cuz we don't have dynasties now. I mean, we haven't had a repeat champion since 2000. We had the Yankee dynasty. We had hit and runs, we had better coaching, we had great scouting departments, we had awesome rivalries. We had uh we had hitting for average with hitting for power. You know, we had we had we had packed ballparks for different reasons inside the game. Rocco, you don't even have to go back that far for that. I mean, I I don't maybe not even the Yankee dynasty. Maybe you just go back to oh, 2005 to 10 and 12 and 13. I mean, it was only Eight ten years ago, when we had that, right?
1: Right, right, uh, yeah, without question, and that that's kind of goes to what I my complaint on Manfred is is the game has always evolved, right? It takes time, and actually, we I had a conversation. I believe it was Bob Kendrick, the president of the Negro Leagues. Yeah, camp. he's big on there that. One, yeah, Dora yeah, one of my I interviewed him for my book, and I think it was him, and we talked about that. It typically takes twenty years for for the base, you know, the effects of some major event in baseball kind of linger for about 20 years so and that conversation came up with around the urban youth development program and the rbi program reviving baseball in the inner cities which were popular around the turn of the you know 2000s and we're now now seeing the fruits of that you know 20 years down the line so 20 years ago from right about now was the peak of that steroid area so you're seeing all the stuff but but Manford is forcing these changes on the game. They're not happy, you know, they're happening all at once. They're not. It's not a natural type of evolution. It's you know a bunch of jackasses sitting up there thinking that seven inning doubleheaders are a good idea. Um, and you know it's just it's difficult to watch.
0: So I haven't been, and I, I wanted to close with this, and, and I'm glad you brought up Bob Kendrick and the Negro League Museum because man, the work they're doing is terrific out there in Kansas City. I'm I'm dying to get out there. Uh, to visit because I want to go there. I want to see a game at Kauffman, um, eat some barbecue, all that stuff that goes into to, to the Kansas City thing. But your relationship with Bob uh, and 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 how he helped with this book and their museum and and what you've seen and how they promote Negro League ball and all the rest. Can you can you get kind of into that tie in a little bit here, Rock, with those guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I had you know it just so happened I had gone to the, the Negro League Museum. I had a friend. Uh, she works for the Royals. And, you know, I was out in Kansas City oh, before the idea of the book even came up. I went to the game at Kaufman, like you said, great yeah. stuff. Um, and went to the Negro League Museum. And it was phenomenal. I mean, unbelievable. I'm from North Jersey, and there's a good, really good tradition of Negro League uh, baseball here. So to see some of that stuff was incredible. Um, and then, you know, the, the idea of this book came up not long after that. So I reached right out to him and said, you know, hey, I'm working on this project and explain. I, you know, I, I, he was so open. I, I flew out with him. We sat in a, a car dealership while his car was getting repaired for about an hour and an you know, hour and a half. And he just he told stories. And I mean, you would expect him, obviously, as the curator of that museum to be an encyclopedia. But I, I don't think that I've ever seen that embodied so much in a person where you say that person's a walking encyclopedia. I mean, the, the stories, the statistics, the information, um, you know, the different ideas and different viewpoints and the interesting points that he has about history and, and opinions and some of his own personal stories as a kid growing up in the South. I, I mean, just an absolutely incredible person to talk to. And it's so great that he's getting so much attention around baseball. I feel like over the past few years, he's always been there. He's always been doing this great work. Uh, but now you see him pretty frequently on um, MLB Network. Uh, he's got an awesome presence on social media. He interacts with all his fans who ask him questions um, on all his platforms. I mean, he's he's an absolutely incredible person and such a great, uh, great thing that he's getting so much attention because he, he's a treasure trove of, of information it, and stories. It,
0: it is amazing, isn't it, when you talk to him and every little thing that you bring up He's got something to tell you about it, and then he can connect another dot and another dot and another dot. Uh And it's almost like when I interview Bob, I I ask the first question, and he answers probably the next three out of four or five that I'm about to ask. Right,
1: right. In a
0: good way, too, in a good way, you know.
1: Yeah, and I remember with him, I, I said, you know, I, the first guy I asked about was Mule Suttles. Yeah. And he kind of looked at me and said, everybody starts with Satchel Page or Josh Gibbs sure. or Cool Papa. I said, well, Mule Suttles is buried in my hometown in, in New Jersey. Hmm. And, you know, his eyes lit up and all this stuff. And, you know, and we got to talking. I mean, it was it was great. And he had, he had interesting viewpoints. And even on Kennesaw Mountain Landis, where, you know, everybody, there was the big push. You know, he was removed from the MVP award. Um, you know, and everybody's quick to just, he racist, he, you know, kept baseball segregated, this and that, you know, he recognized kind of the complexity of the situation and brought up that he at different times had defended African-Americans and he had a very good r- relationship with Rube Foster. So it, it's not an opinion that you see out there a lot. And, you know, I, I actually took his information, did further research and I turned it all into a, a chapter in the book that I wasn't even planning on doing, so... I mean, just an awesome guy and, and very impactful, and I'm lucky to have him involved in the book for sure.
0: Love it. Rocco Constantino, uh, at OfficialMLBRFC on Twitter. Go give him a follow. Go check him out at RoccoConstantino.com and Ball9.com for his contributing work covering the game of baseball. His next book, uh, after the one that I just mentioned, 50 Moments That Define Major League Baseball, it's out right now. Go get it online where books are sold. Uh, major bookstores. If you're you're walking in now, we're trying to get out of Corona and, and going in and shopping more uh, in stores. So if your your local bookstore probably has it, but it's called Beyond Baseball's Color Barrier: The Story of African Americans in Major League Baseball, Past, Present, and Future with the Amazing Forward by Louis Tian. Rocco, congratulations! Thanks for a few here, pal, and we'll uh, hopefully touch base down the line. I'm going to go see Kevin Kernan at the uh, New York State Baseball Hall of Fame induction. I've gotten permission to go, so uh, looking forward to getting the invite from Chris. So hopefully, I'll see you there.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping to do it. Planning, you know, planning on being there and seeing how work goes. And thanks a lot for having me on the show, Mike. Really appreciate it.
0: And uh, even coming from a Jets fan, go Bills. Hope it's a a good rivalry uh,
1: this year, and the two of us could. uh, take over that division from the Patriots.
0: The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends at Rosie's Corner. If you're in and around Central New York, stop by. It's a fish Friday as you listen to this today. Pair it with the mac and cheese or the coleslaw and fries, or just get it all. That's my advice. Rosie's Corner, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Right off the Bartell Road exit. In Brewerton, a big tip of the cap thank you as well to Camillus Golf Club and Western New York OTB this horse racing season. Get out to your local OTB wherever you live in New York State, Rochester, Watertown, Albany, Syracuse. Uh, stop on out Buffalo and uh, place your bets down there at Western New York OTB and visit BataviaDownsGaming.com for their concert series as well. Batavia Downs Gaming and Western New York OTB, our proud ML sports platter Sponsors. Go ahead and hit me on Twitter as well at L Sports. Big time thanks to our good buddy Rocco Constantino. Again, this book is awesome. I'm, I'm well into it. Make sure you go pick it up at local bookstores and online where books are sold beyond baseball's color barrier. The story of African Americans in Major League Baseball, past, present, and future. The forward by the baseball legend Louis Tion. Thanks for listening. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. When your dad started building a man cave in your bedroom, you knew it was time to start building something for yourself. Let's job it up. At CareerBuilder, we're ready to help at every stage of your search. Build a resume, get industry tips and advice, and apply to multiple jobs in just one click. Start your search at CareerBuilder.com.